Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Amen, amen. Praise God, praise God. We're so glad to have every single one of you here tonight. Remain standing. You can return to your seats, but remain standing. This week has been so very, very powerful. Been so impacted, the spirit of prayer. Appreciate the investment, the time. Amen. Brother Raymond Woodward, praise God. I've never heard it better, have you? Are we so thankful for what we've heard this week? Praise the name of the Lord. I feel the spirit of prayer upon us tonight. There is a spirit of prayer. And I was praying earlier in the hallway, the verse that says where two or three will agree on any one thing. He said, I will do it. And we are gathered together in his name tonight, and he is here. How many have felt the presence of the almighty God in this room? So very, very thankful. Hallelujah. Brother Brother Woodward has two children, but he also has a nephew. Brother Dylan Woodward, that was our intern over the summer, and it certainly impacted our church. This is his nephew, and uh, we love Brother Dylan, don't we? And what a blessing he's been, and so thankful. But we want, we want, Brother Woodward, if you'd come and just take your liberty, take your time. Thank you for investing in me, and and uh, he's so much fun to be with, and he really is, and and uh, uh, so thankful. I, I do feel that you need to open up your heart, open up your spirit. Right now, I want you to lift your hands and open up your heart and say, God, I want to receive what you've given the man of God, the teacher of the word of the Lord for us. We receive it tonight. We're open, God. We want to grow in you. We want to be strengthened as believers and empowered, God, in this end time revival in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you welcome the man of God? Amen. As he comes to preach. Praise the Lord. This is a house of miracles. This is a house of miracles. I am looking for something here. Sister Danita Dross, our great missionary wife in the country of Mexico, on March the 6th, less than a month ago, really just three weeks ago, uh, she went into the hospital in Mexico. It was a situation with her brain, an aneurysm, a bleed on the brain. She went into the hospital, and the doctors gave her a 5% chance of living. And, of course, that hit everybody hard because we're just human, and our emotions get in the way sometimes. But when the people of God go to prayer, there's miracle working power in the name of Jesus. <laughs> At one point, the doctors did a brain scan and said, there's no brain activity in her. But today, <laughs> she's gone home. Not to heaven, home here. Because prayer was made. 
Now the doctors would say, and I'm sure her family would say, you know, sometimes we get a victory and then we all just go, woohoo, and we're done. I'm sure they'd say, she's not out of the woods yet. Keep praying for complete restoration of everything that happened to her because the doctors still cannot believe what happened to her. So they can't help us really. They just don't know what happened to her. We know what happened to her. This is a house of miracles tonight. If you need a miracle, this is your night. If you'd like to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you don't have to wait one service longer, one night longer. You can be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost tonight. If you need a delivering act of God in your life, in your mind, in your family, in your marriage, tonight's your night. Lift up your hands and your voice one more time with expectation and anticipation and give God great praise in advance. God spoke to Joshua and said, Shout, for I have given you the city. Shout first, then the miracle happens. Praise him first, then the miracle happens. Rejoice first, then the miracle happens. If you need a miracle, it's time to make some noise in the house of the Lord. This is a place of miracles. This is a house of miracles tonight. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. You may be seated tonight. I'm so grateful to be here. And I'll spare you a lot of comments, but my heart is full to be at the anchor. Scripture simply doesn't say very much about him at all. His story is obscure. It's seemingly insignificant. The crowning achievement of his entire life is covered and recorded in a small two verses of Scripture. And they're tucked away in the middle of the Old Testament books of uh, Kings and Samuel and Chronicles. All these dramatic adventures of kings and countries and battles and victories. And all he gets is two verses. You're forced to do some pretty serious detective work just to dig up a few tiny details about his background. And that makes what this man did all the more remarkable. His family came from the line of the Hararites. They were men of the hills. They were mountain dwellers. The word Hararite is a combination of the noun mountain and the verb cursed. Because it was a hard life. It was a difficult existence trying to scratch out a living in the hard unyielding rock of Israel's desert hills. And to make matters worse, not only was he from the lineage of the Hararites, the cursed mountain dwellers, but his dad's name was Agi. And Agi means in Hebrew, a fugitive, one who flees. His father was a coward who ran at the first sign of difficulty. And that makes what this young man did all the more remarkable. Names in ancient Israel could either reflect qualities of the child who was born or names of a baby could commemorate some momentous event that just happened to coincide with their birth. Often babies would be named for something that was happening in Israel at that time. 
Now, we don't know from history specifically what was happening, what Israel was going through when the young man Shammah was born, but it must have been totally disastrous because when his mother and father named this baby, the name Shammah means wasted, empty, desolate, deserted, devastated, horrified, appalled, astonished, and abandoned. What a name to tag on a precious little life born into your family. It must have been disastrous in Israel. It must have been heartbreaking in Israel. It must have been a time when people were discouraged and people were disillusioned because it was bad when Shammah was born. And all of that makes what he did all the more remarkable. Because this young man, born at a time of appalling desolation, he decided something that you need to decide. Shammah decided, my history is not going to determine my destiny. I am going to be better in my future than I was in my past. I am going to be stronger in my tomorrow than I was in my yesterday. The way the devil has defined me is not the way my life is going to end. I've got better things in my future than I do in my past. Oh, my, my, my. So as he grew, Shama refused to be confined to that meager mountain existence. And he packed up and he moved down to the fertile lowlands of Israel where at least you could plant a crop and have a little hope of a harvest. But Israel was in serious trouble in Shama's lifetime. In those days, Israel was led by a backslidden King Saul. And King Saul's reign was marked by two things. Number one, the absence of an altar. Saul didn't hardly know what to do with an altar. When he ever came around an altar, it was only for show. It was only to put on a performance for the nation of Israel. Saul never did know what to do with an altar. And the lack of an altar marked his reign. And you know something else that marked Saul's reign? was that the Ark of the Covenant had been captured by the Philistines. For most of Saul's 40-year reign, the Ark was in captivity in enemy hands, and Saul didn't lift a finger to go get it. He didn't even miss it. Because he was just a king in name. He was just a figurehead. He didn't have the desire for an altar. He didn't have the desire for the Ark of the Covenant, which is the visible symbol in Scripture of the almighty presence, the Shekinah glory of God. I don't ever want to be part of a church family or a movement that doesn't have a hunger for an altar and for the presence and the glory of God. I don't ever want to get used to having services without the glory and the presence of God settling in on us. I'm not happy with ordinary church and normal services and just average singing. We're not an average church. We're an apostolic church. We hunger after the glory and the presence of God. 
This church is named the anchor. It could just as well be named the altar because that is what is in the heart of your pastors and your leadership. But it's not enough to have a pastor who builds an altar in his life. Every saint of God, every family that names the name of Jesus, you need an altar in your life. This altar is wonderful. It's beautiful. God meets us here. But this altar, it's not where you come every single day of every single week. So you need some some other altars in your life. You may need an altar in your kitchen. You might need an altar in your bedroom. You might need an altar in your automobile. But you need places where you meet with God and God meets with you. And there's an open channel between earth and heaven. Shama decided, I don't like that king. I don't like that guy that doesn't have any desire for an altar that would let the glory of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant, go into enemy hands and not do a thing about it. So Shammah found him another king, a different king. Oh, he wasn't king yet. He was a king in waiting. But Shammah soon found him. And with Shammah, another 400 men found him. They didn't have much going for them. They were a ragtag band at the best of times. But they had a king in waiting, and his name was David, and he was their hero. 1 Samuel 22 and 2. Everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented, they gathered themselves together unto David and he became a captain over them and there were with him about 400 men. Now that's some congregation to try to lead. Everybody that's distressed and in debt and discontent. Can't help you, pastor. We got all of our own problems. Can't help you, David. We got all of our own problems. But David, you give us hope when you speak. You give us hope when you sing those songs with that harp unto the Lord. You give us hope when you pray, David. And so that's why we've gathered together unto you. Much later, David would be crowned king of Israel. And some of those same loyal men, they just couldn't get enough of their king, David, so they would continue to serve him. And the bravest among those 400 men would be forever referred to as the 30. But there was a trio of soldiers whose exploits elevated them far above the 400 and even above the 30. And David affectionately called them his three mighty men. Adino was one of them. Adino killed 800 at one time with only one spear. He was an amazing warrior. Eleazar fought until the muscles of his hand literally froze like paralysis around his sword. They had to pry his fingers off the weapon that he used in battle because he was so bold and so brave. And Shama unlikely Shama, Shama with a past, Shama with a bad pedigree, Shama with a history, unlikely Shama became the third member of this valiant trio. And it makes what he did even all the more remarkable. Shama's whole story is told 
in only two verses of your Bible. He's not like David who gets books and psalms and and references in the New Testament. He's not like Joseph that gets chapter after chapter in Genesis. Shammah just gets two verses. He's not very significant in this world's eyes, but he was significant in God's eyes. 2 Samuel chapter 23. And after him was Shammah, the son of Agi, the Hararite. You know what that just said? Here's Shammah. He's the son of a coward. He's the son of a dad that runs at the first sign of trouble. And he's from those cursed mountains. But the Philistines were gathered together into a troop. And there was a piece of ground full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. But Shammah stood in the midst of the ground and he defended it and he slew the Philistines and through him the Lord wrought a great victory. Now the Philistines, they were the most fierce and enduring foe ever faced by Old Testament Israel. The pages of the Old Testament are literally filled with accounts of their bloody clashes for nearly 600 years. The Jews had a beautiful coastline along the Mediterranean Sea. They couldn't even enjoy it. They could hardly access it because the Philistines had the Pentapolis, five cities, strongholds at Ashdod and Ashkelon, Ekron, Gath and Gaza and all up the seacoast, the Philistines had these strong city-states. And so the nation of Israel, the promised land, with this beautiful coastline, they could hardly access it or use it or enjoy it. And the Philistines had this massive tactical advantage over Israel because they alone possessed the ancient art of iron making. And that made their chariot wheels superior. And that made their weapons superior. And so they controlled everything. And the Philistines were cruel and they were ruthless. And one of their favorite tactics was what you would call the harvest attack. The Philistines would lay low for months and it would seem like they had gone away. And they would let the Israelites plant their crops and tend their crops and work in the fields for an entire season. They would let the Jews toil under the blistering sun and do all that back-breaking work of farming and tending crops. And then just as the harvest was ready to be reaped, the Philistines would swoop down from the hills and they would come into the field at the very last moment and they would attack just as the crops were ripe and they would steal the fruit of the Jews' labor. They would rob Israel's family of food and they would rob Israel's farmers of their livelihood. Nothing was more devastating than a harvest attack. And so it happened time and time and time again. It was burned into the brain of the Israelites that we're always in danger. We're always under threat. We've always got enemies all around us and the Philistines could show up at any moment. And this year was no exception. And the Philistines were at it again. And their invading forces struck terror in the hearts of the Jews. And by now, most of the people, most of the farmers had fled in fear. And when they fled, they left their fields at the mercy of the enemy. These Jewish farmers were just peasants. They didn't have swords and spears. They didn't have weapons. All they had were some handmade farming tools. 
They knew they had no chance against a battalion of highly trained, strong Philistine soldiers. They knew that if they remained in their fields, it would mean almost certain death and certain defeat. So they thought on this day, it's not worth risking life and limb to defend an insignificant little plot of ground. And so at the first sign of the enemy, all of these Israelite farmers dropped their weapons and they ran for their lives. And that would have been the end of the story except for one man and two verses. Because on this day, there was a man in the field named Shammah. Fortunately for Israel, there was a man named Shammah. Unfortunately for the Philistines, there was a man named Shammah. Let it be said of us, fortunately for the kingdom of God in Zanesville, there was a church called the Anchor. And unfortunately for the kingdom of the evil one, for the tactics of the devil, for the advances of hell, unfortunately for hell, there was a church in the city of Zanesville called the Anchor. Shama wasn't just a peasant. He wasn't just a farmer. He had been trained by David. He was one of David's three mighty men. And so he looked like a farmer, but he had the heart of a warrior. And on that day, Shama stood alone and he single-handedly turned the tide of the enemy's invasion. Every one of his peers fled the scene to avoid the battle. Everybody else abandoned the harvest they had worked so hard for. Everybody else decided they would just have to live with the losses one more time. Everybody else decided on that day, I guess the enemy gains one more victory today. But on the day when everybody else ran, on the day when everybody else was afraid, on the every uh, the day when everybody else turned their back and headed for the high ground, Shama decided, I'm going to lock my feet and square my shoulders and face down the enemy. Shama stood his ground. Whoa. If you can feel it, if you can reach for it, if you can grab for it, if you can stretch for it tonight, there's a Shama spirit here in this auditorium tonight. There's somebody here, and I'm preaching to reach you. I'm preaching on your behalf. There's somebody here that the devil has pushed and pushed and pushed and pushed. He has encroached time after time after time, and you're just about getting fed up with it. You've had it about up to here, and you're getting tired, and you are just a little bit weak weary of the battle. I've got good news for you. God's looking for somebody whose spiritual name is Shama to say I might not be much. I might not be big. I might even stand all alone. But God helping me and hell fearing me I'm going to stand my ground and I'm going to push back. In the English language we have a saying. You say it here in Ohio. When something's of little value, when something is of negligible importance, we say that's not worth a hill of beans because beans are small and beans on their own are of little value. Even a whole hill of beans wouldn't be worth very much, nor would a field of beans, which is exactly what Shama stood to defend on that fateful day of battle. Just a field of beans. 
Shammah had only one split second to decide whether he was going to run away like all of his friends or whether he was going to stand up to the enemy. We don't know what was going through his mind on that day as he turned around to face an entire highly trained battalion of Philistine soldiers all alone. We don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he had worked extra hard this year. Maybe he'd worked day after endless day to plant this field of beans. And maybe he just didn't want to carry bad news home to his family one more time. Maybe he was just tired of all the raids that left their crops in ruins and their fields barren and their children hungry and their tables empty and their homes depleted and their families defeated. Maybe he was just tired. Maybe on that day, in that split second of battle, when he saw the Philistines crest the hill and head toward the field, maybe there was something that just got all over Shama that said, not here, not now, not today, not me, not this. This is mine. This isn't yours. This is mine. So not today. You can come this far, but no further. This is my field of beans. Or maybe Shama had given this a lot of thought. Maybe he'd mulled it over in his mind while he was toiling day after day under the hot burning sun in his field of beans. Now no doubt Shama anticipated there would be a battle. The Philistines had done this every year. You know, sometimes we act like when the devil attacks, it's this big shock. It shouldn't be a shock when the devil attacks good, godly, righteous, living people that are serving Jesus. Yes, the devil's going to attack you. You shouldn't be surprised. That's just the devil doing his job. And he's good at his job. So you shouldn't be surprised if you're living for God and the devil tries to attack your mind. You shouldn't be surprised if you're living for God and praying to God and the devil tries to attack your family. It's to be expected that the enemy will attack. It's to be expected that the enemy will try to take what God gave for you. But what the enemy doesn't expect, he thinks you're going to be like everybody else. He thinks you're going to be a pushover like every other family in this city. He thinks you're going to be a pushover like so many church members that attend services, but they don't have a prayer life or they don't really get a hold of God when they come to church. Shama may have thought about this for a long time. I know the enemy's going to show up. I know the enemy's going to try to attack because it happens every few months. It happens every time we get our harvest together. And so this year's going to be different for me. This year's going to be different. This night's going to be different. This day's going to be different. The outcome of this battle is going to be different. And so on that day, Shama stood his ground in a field of beans. That's not a great place to wage warfare. A field of beans is a flat field. There are bean vines that are deeper than your ankles. It's easy to get tripped up and tangled up. There's nowhere to hide. If you lay down, they're going to kill you. If you stand up, you're an easy target. It's not an easy place to defend. The terrain of the battle favors the enemy. You are sorely outnumbered, and the enemy is all coming from every side. And all of your friends and everybody else that could help, they've already hightailed it for the high ground. And yet on that day of battle, brothers and sisters, Shama defended that little field of beans as if it was a gold mine. He stood his ground to defy the enemy. He wouldn't give them even one seemingly insignificant piece of ground. 
because Shama knew something you need to know. Somewhere, sometime, somebody has to stop retreating from the enemy. Somewhere, sometime, somebody has to say, enough is enough in Jesus' name. Somewhere, sometime, somebody has to say, I'm going to push you back in prayer. Somewhere, sometime, a church has to stand up and say, enough defeats, enough issues, enough problems, enough people lost, enough backsliders. We've had enough. We're going to stand our ground and push back. I wish you'd lift up your hands, but this time I'd like you to make a fist. You're not shaking your fist at God. I'd like you to clench your fist like you're going to battle against the enemy. Now lift up your voice like a roar of intercessory prayer. I've had enough. I've had enough. This is the battle I'm going to win. This is the time I'm going to be victorious. I refuse to yield anymore. I refuse to back down or back up. I refuse to shut down or shut up. I'm going to push until the enemy is defeated. Now lift open your hands. Open your hands. Give God a praise because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They that are for us are greater than they that are against us. Yes. The devil was expecting that. That's a good response from a great church. He's not expecting this. Do that again with a little bit more intensity. Lift up your hands and lift up your voice and just push a little bit in the spirit. This is a place of miracles. This is a house of miracles. This is a night of miracles. This is a service of miracles. This is a meeting of miracles. You are a people of miracles. Oh, there's a wave of worship wants to hit this place like a little tsunami. There is a powerful sense of prayer. Pastor already announced it, and you feel it. There's a push in prayer that wants to hit this sanctuary like a tidal wave. We've had enough of the devil pushing on our families and trying to take our marriages down. It's enough. Somebody shout, it's enough. Somebody say, I've had it. This is my time. This is my battle. This is going to be my miracle. If you mean that, lift up a praise to God. If you mean that, lift up a praise to God. Yes, 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 yes. You can be seated somewhere, sometime. Somebody has to realize that the more territory you give up now, the more territory you're going to have to win back later. So why would you surrender anything to the enemy and just say, well, I guess that's life. Well, I guess that's the way it's going to be. Why would you surrender it knowing you're going to have to fight for it tooth and nail, inch by inch later? You might as well stand your ground now as let the devil have his way in your family, in your home, in your mind, in your marriage for months and months and months. And then finally you say, well, I better get back to church and I better pray through and I better push back and I better counterattack the enemy. Why not just stand your ground now and say, I'm not taking any of it. I'm not 
not taking one inch of it. You're not getting one inch of my territory. This is my family. This is my home. This is my marriage. These are my kids. Those are my grandkids. This is my church. That is my pastor. No way, devil. I'm going to stand my ground and push back. Oh, my, 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 my. Why not here? Why not now? Why not you? You might as well enjoy a victory as sit around and suck your thumb and let the devil trounce you over and over again. You might as well put the enemy to flight. And I've got good news for you. One will chase a thousand, but two will put 10,000 to flight. And there's way more than two in this room tonight. There's enough Holy Ghost apostolic prayer power in this room to change any situation. There's enough apostolic Holy Ghost prayer power in this room to turn the devil to flight and turn any situation around. I'm not preaching into the air tonight. I'm preaching into your spirit because somebody, the devil's just pushed you and pushed you and pushed you and you backed up and backed up and backed up. You need to come out of your corner fighting tonight. You need to come out of your corner praying tonight. You need to come out of your corner worshiping tonight. You're part of a revival church. You're part of a miracle church. You're part of a praying church. You don't have to take what the enemy is trying to do in your house. Goodness. It was just a field of beans. It wasn't worth a hill of beans. But see, Shaman knew something from ancient times. God declared to Israel in Leviticus 25 and 23, the land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine. You are strangers and sojourners with me. Shaman knew something that the Philistines had yet to learn. This land is God's land. And so if this land is God's land, then this field is God's field, and this farm is God's farm, and this crop is God's crop, and these beans are God's beans. So I'm not even giving up a single vine, a single bean to you, enemy. These are God's beans, and if God owns this, he's going to help me defend it. I am God's child. You are God's child. And if you are God's child, you're his prized and rare possession. And if you're God's child, then your home is God's. And your family is God's. And your marriage is God's. And your children belong to God. You don't have to take what the enemy is trying to dish out in your life. If you'll stand up and fight for them, God will fight with you and he'll fight for you. But somebody has to stand their ground and say, no more, no longer, no further. Sometimes, brothers and sisters, you pick your battles. But sometimes your battles choose you and you have nothing to do with it. King David chose Shammah as one of his three mighty men because on this day of battle, when the battle chose Shammah, Shammah refused to run away. He refused. 
He stood and defended an insignificant field of beans when it wasn't a comfortable place to fight from and when it wasn't a convenient season to fight in. See, there's a lot of people that sit in a lot of seats in a lot of church sanctuaries. And they all want to dream big things and do great things for God. They all want dreams that are huge and they all want accomplishments that are big and people notice. But what they miss is that your war is won, one battle at a time. What we miss is that the insignificant daily battles, the daily battles that you win in prayer, the daily battles that you win in intercession, those are the battles that really count in the end. You can't sit around and let the devil wreak havoc all around you and then suddenly stand up and say, okay, I guess it's my time to fight a really big battle. Little battles result in big victories. The reason Shammah got to be one of David's three mighty men is because when a seemingly insignificant field of beans was under attack, he said no. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 47. The Apostle Paul, he locks into the spirit of Shammah when he says, Neither give place to the devil. What would an apostolic believer be doing? Given a little tiny corner of your home, of your family, of your mind, of your marriage. What would you be doing given a little tiny piece of that to the devil and just acting like it's normal that you come to church and love Jesus and try to serve God and yet the devil is just wreaking havoc in some area of your life. You need to stand your ground and say, no, enough is enough and I'm not going to put up with it anymore. You say, who am I to say that? Let me tell you who are, you are. You are a child of God. You are baptized into covenant with the name of Jesus. You are filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. If the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, it'll quicken your mortal body by that spirit that dwells in you. You've got the power of Almighty God. You've got eternal, supernatural power residing in you, and you have a right to fight and push back. Shaman knew instinctively what Paul would later write down so plainly. Don't give the enemy even a foothold in your life. Shama stood tall that day and he fought bravely that day because he knew that if he gave up even an insignificant field of beans, he'd just have to fight the Philistines sometime later on another battlefield. Shaman knew this. If they take the beans, the barley will be next. And if they take the barley, they'll come back for the corn. And if they take the corn, they're going to turn around and come back for the cattle. Shaman knew if you give up the field, the fence is next. And if they knock down the fence, they'll come back for the barn. And if they take the barn, they're going to turn around and they're coming back for your house. If you give up the house, the family will be next. And if they take your family, you, they take your future. And it's all because on the day of battle, you refused to defend an insignificant field of beans. Let me just give you a principle. I hope I say it uh, in a way that you'll remember it. Please remember this. The enemy will attack until someone fights back. 
<laughs> he's vicious. He's unrelenting. He has no ethics or morals or principles or sense of fairness. So the enemy will attack until someone fights back. Right now in our world, we're watching it unfold on the international stage. Every newscast is talking about it. Every newspaper has an article about it. We are watching the big bully, the nation of Russia under Vladimir Putin, attack a much tinier country named Ukraine. Putin thought they would walk in there and the battle would be over in two or three days. Here we are a month later. You know why we're here a month later? Because the Ukrainian people said, not our nation, not our cities, and they fought back. Russia's still trying to get that foothold. They've bombed the smithereens out of that place, and the Ukrainian people are still saying, not us, not here, not now. Would to God some apostolics could get the same determination in their spirit. Not my house, not my kids. I'm going to fight you. I don't care if you drop a bomb on us. I'm going to push you back. This is my family. This is my future. This is my life. Oh my goodness, lift up your hands. I'm almost finished. Lift up your hands, lift up your hands, lift up your hands. It's time to pray. This is the house of miracles. This is the night of miracles. But somebody has got to claim their miracle and claim their promise and fight for their field and fight for their family. I wish I could hear a roar of apostolic prayer in this room right now. Intercessors, I release you to do what you do. Don't you slow down. Don't you slack for us. You just do what you do. The presence of the Lord, it's here. The power of God is present to heal and deliver. Anybody feel like walking to the altar and pulling your hands into the air and saying, devil, this is going to be your attack, but it's going to be my victory. This is going to be the battle you started, but I'm going to finish it in Jesus' name. This is going to be the day, the night, the month, the year. You tried to push me out of my inheritance, but I'm not taking it anymore. I'm not taking it just standing here. I have a right to fight. The devil will attack until somebody fights back. So are you willing to fight for your family and fight for your kids and fight for your future? Oh, that's so powerful, Anchor. That's so wonderful, Anchor. Thank you, great church, for responding to the presence of God. This has just officially become a warfare prayer meeting. This has just become officially a battlefield. Are you going to stand your ground and push the enemy back? I push you back. I push you back in the name of Jesus. Erabaleto 
If there's a family member standing next to you, join hands with them. Pray together. Declare a boundary of blessing over your home. Declare a hedge of protection over your home. You have a right to fight. If you need the baptism of the Holy Ghost, if you'd like to receive God's gift into your life, He wants to give you that power with the evidence of speaking in other tongues in an atmosphere like this. It's easy because all around you, people are pushing the enemy back. Lift up your hands and worship God. If you've repented of your sins, you're a candidate to receive the Holy Ghost right now in this altar. If you need a healing in your body, lift up your hands right now. The power of God is present to heal. He sent his word and healed them. This is how I fight my
Oh, that's good, anchor. Just push. Just push. Just push. Just push. I thank God for the clapping of the hands, but the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. So when the Bible says, clap your hands, all ye people, it also says in the same verse, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. There's something happens when you... Yeah, yeah. There's something happens when you lift your hands and when you pray in the spirit. Yes, 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 yes. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. The devil was expecting about that much prayer. The devil was expecting about that much altar. The devil was expecting about that much praise. The devil was expecting you to get about that ramped up about it. What he's not expecting is when he just keeps pushing and he said, well, you didn't get it right now. You didn't get it tonight. You're going to go home the same. He's not expecting you to take a deep breath and push one more time and keep on pushing until he flees. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Lift up your voice like a battle cry. Stake your territory, stake your claim. This is my field. This is my family. Not for one second, 
Do I think that Shama actually fought that battle all by himself? Shama learned something from his mentor, David. I don't think David fought Goliath all by himself. When David stood up to Goliath, God stood by David. When Shama stood up to a battalion of Philistines, God stood by Shama. So it was Shama who said, I'm standing and I'm staying. But when he stood his ground, God showed up on that ground. Can I tell you, there's somebody here at this powerful church. You need to take this powerful church home to your place, home to your apartment, home to your house. And you need to walk in and say, this far, no further. This field is mine, this house is mine. This family is mine, my future belongs to me. It does not belong to the enemy. Can I show you one last scripture and then we'll pray one more time. I don't know how long that'll take because I really don't care how long it takes. The very last part of the book of the prophet Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a prophet in the captivity. Ezekiel is a prophet to Israel when everything's lost. Shammah's name means appalling desolation. That's exactly how Israel felt when they lost their city of Jerusalem and they lost their temple and they were taken into captivity in Babylon for 70 years. It was a time of appalling desolation. But at the end of the vision of the prophet Ezekiel, God gives Ezekiel a beautiful picture, a beautiful vision of a restored temple. It's many times larger than the temple that was lost. It's many times grander and greater than the temple that was destroyed. And God shows it to Ezekiel. And the book of the prophet Ezekiel closes with that new temple, that great, grand, expanded, beautiful, magnificent temple being measured. And this is the very last verse of the very last chapter of the prophet Ezekiel. And it says, it was round about 18,000 measures and the name of the city from that day of restoration shall be the Lord is there. Or in Hebrew, the name of that city shall be Jehovah Shammah. God took Shama's name, that means appalling desolation, and he put it into his own name, and he made his name Jehovah Shama. The Lord is going to show up and fight beside you, even in a time of appalling desolation, even in a time when it looks like certain defeat, even in a time when the enemy is pushing against you. Is there anybody here that feels like fighting for your family and pushing for revival and reaching for healing. If that's you, lift up your hands, lift up your voice, lift up your words, lift up your battle cry and pray. The Lord is there. Jehovah Shammah. He's gonna stand up for you in your worst battle, in your worst darkness. 
spin around, lay your hand on somebody. Pray for them in Jesus' name. Pray for them in their battle. Pray for them in their darkness. Pray for them in their hour of trouble because Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is here. The Lord is there. He's for us. He's in us. He's with us. I want every person in the building to stand to your feet. Lift your hands toward heaven. In the name of the Lord Jesus. We are warring in the spirit tonight. I want you to tell the Lord, I receive this tonight. I want everybody to say, I receive this tonight. Let me, let me teach you. Paul makes this statement in the New Testament he said I run not as one after the mastery he said I fight not as one that beateth the air what he's saying is I'm not a shadow boxer he said I know exactly what I'm fighting I'm not just running I know where I'm going spiritual warfare can be sometimes so misunderstood and he so well tonight taught us that we've got to guard the field even what seems like the lowest valued part of it. It was the furthest one, the outskirts of what was most important to the center, which I would call your heart. In spiritual warfare, you have to understand that, that he starts with a thought. We're warned by Scripture that when lust is conceived, it brings forth sin, and when sin is finished. It starts small, then it works its way until it's over. How I many you realize that? There's this other verse in his teaching that I just read it the other day. It says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty. Everybody say mighty. Through God, how? To the pulling down of strongholds. So I want everybody to say stronghold. Where is or are the strongholds. Where's the stronghold that the weapon that is mighty can destroy? He said it this way. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every imagination, which does what? Exalted itself. What you have to be careful is that when you let lust become exalted, it starts as a seed, but becomes exalted or imagined. And once you let the, 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 the thought become exalted, the imagination begins to grow until it becomes a stronghold. It's a mere thought. Oh, I feel something here this evening. It's a mere thought. When you are dealing with the Spirit, the Spirit's job is to plant thoughts in your spirit. And what is assumptions or imaginations eventually will turn into strongholds if you let it become exalted against God. This city that I pastor in, its stronghold in the city, the, spirit, the prince of this city, the spirit of this city is inadequacy. It's the spirit of the city. I'm not good enough. I don't belong. 
Uh, I, uh, nobody wants me there. They won't miss me if I'm not there. That is the spirit of this city. If you're around it long enough, if you allow it, that spirit, the atmosphere of that spirit will project itself. Everybody take your hand and say project. A spirit will always project itself into your mind. And it is your job that when the enemy starts projecting thoughts, to cast it down. A mere thought can turn into a stronghold and that the battle is in the mind. So here's how it happens. What is a spirit of fear? We are not given to a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound. You see it there again. What happens is if somebody goes through something in their life and they allow a spirit of fear near them, what happens is the spirit of fear will project a thought and the thought is something that becomes imagined and the imagination of the fear of all the terrible things that's going to happen until now you've got a stronghold in your, in your life and you are ruled by a spirit of fear. A spirit of infirmity. Jesus cast the devil out of a woman who had the spirit of infirmity for 18 years. Are y'all hearing me? Let me obey the Holy Ghost. I felt, I felt led to talk about this. And he came and he said, here, it's your turn. And uh, amen. And um, a spirit of infirmity is you get a sickness and you get a sickness and then you turn the thought of how bad it's going to be until you turn that into imagination. You exalt the thought of sickness until it becomes a stronghold until you are always sick and you are bound by now a spirit of infirmity. Is Mark here? Is Mark Muller here tonight? He might be working. He went to the hospital for Santana you know this is the truth. Brother Mark, let me, let me just take my time here for a minute. Brother Mark Muller uh, is, how is he, 30s? He's in his 30s. 32 years old. He came to me, and he had been sick, missed a lot of church, missed a lot of church. He came to me and said, I'm going to the doctor. They're trying to find out what's wrong with me. The Holy Ghost moved up on me. I said, they're not going to find anything wrong with you. I'm not here to embarrass him. Um, and I said, there's nothing wrong with you. You are battling a spirit of infirmity. And God is going to deliver you of that spirit. And we prayed for him. And God delivered him. And there was nothing wrong. He called me. He said, I have been delivered. He said, there is nothing wrong. I haven't felt this good in many years. Amen. Cast down the stronghold. Hallelujah. And a spirit of bondage will come on you and start telling you that you are an addict. You are this. You are going to be this way. It's just how you're going to be the rest of your life. When you get the Holy Ghost, you get washed in the blood and feel the spirit. You've got power over that thought. You've got power over that spirit. Hallelujah. Disunity works the same way. It's thoughts. It's a small Heal a bee. It's just a thought. But when you allow the thought to become magnified by the accuser, when you allow that to become magnified by the, by the, by the enemy, what was a mere thought becomes a stronghold that now rules. But he said, you have a weapon that is mighty. It's the pulling down of strongholds. I come to tell you tonight, there is a power in every single one of us that we can say by the authority 
authority of the word of God, the power of the name of Jesus. I command you to leave my mind. I command you to leave my spirit. Amen. I'll be transparent with you. Probably just in the last few years, there was a moment that the, the oppression of the spirit of this city creeped up on me until, you know, if, if, you, walk, if you walk into a restaurant that's, that they deep fry fish, you're going to walk out smelling like deep fried fish. How I many know it's true? The atmosphere changes how you smell. My lands, I must be hungry. I don't know, but... When you get in a city and it's, it's constantly trying to suppress over you, over you, you're pushing back. If it's, we're not careful, we'll let it to soak into us, come into us, and lot us to there was a moment that I thought, does God need me here? Am I good enough to even pastor in this city? And that's how I felt. Had to pick my head up. Over and over. You know why? Because I let a thought become imagined and the imagination begin to turn into a stronghold until I realized God called me here. This is a lie of the devil. You've got to get a boldness and say the Lord sent me. The Lord called me. He didn't bring me this far to fail. I'm going to win. I'm coming out of this in the name. I wish somebody would grab your mind and say by the authority of the word of God, the power. Come on. I take authority of the stronghold in my mind. I take authority of the stronghold in my spirit. Come on, everybody grab your mind. Everybody grab your head. And say, I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. Hallelujah. Somebody say in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout in Jesus' name. Come on, shout it again in Jesus' name. It's a mere thought that inches its way beyond the mind until it gets the heart. The goal of the thought is to destroy the heart. Is to destroy the heart. Everybody say the heart. You got to get the heart right. It'll change the heart. Then it spews up. The Bible says like bitterness and begins to foul everything around. To destroys the family. Destroys every, everybody around. Until what God had called is, is now destroyed. He would love to destroy every family in this church by a mere thought. It's just a thought. It's just a field of beans. It's just, oh no, you know what I'm not doing? I'm not imagining what the devil's saying. I hear whose report will you believe? I'm going to believe the report of the Lord. This is what God has called me to do. Somebody say amen. Voices matter. Somebody shout, voices matter. That is why when the Bible says when he takes the seed, precious seed and cast it out that if it doesn't take root the crows come and get it 
Because if the seed ever takes root, it produces fruit. Amen. It's the Word of God. And when you're sitting there and the preacher's preaching like he has the last three nights, you know what you do? Don't you let it fall on hard ground. You say amen. You grab a hold of that thought. You start imagining that thought. You start imagining that faith. You start imagining that miracle. Come on. You know what happens? It will produce. It'll become a stronghold against the enemy. It'll become a fortress. I wish somebody could get a hold of this tonight and realize he said tonight's a night of miracles. Tonight is a night of miracles. I want you to close your eyes and picture it. I'm not bound, I'm free. Hallelujah, I'm loved. The hand of God is upon me. The shepherd came to me. Come on, something's happening right now. My family will be healed. I am going to make it to heaven. My children are saved. They will be saved. I'm going to picture what God, I'm going to imagine what God is doing. I'm not imagining destruction. I'm imagining greatness. Hallelujah. From this day forward, I'm grabbing the Word of God, the seed of God. And I'm going to produce the fruit of the Spirit. I want every hand lifted. I want you to stretch your hands like a, like a branch. A bough of the tree of God. It's going to reach and produce fruit. It's going to extend beyond the walls of my house. I'm producing fruit tonight. Love and joy and peace. My house is going to be happy. My children here. Lift your voices right now. Holy Ghost. Suffering and patience. Somebody was singing the Holy Ghost one time and they, they, were, they were struggling to get it. You know, they, were, they had never been around this. And uh, I said, start picturing yourself receiving the Holy Ghost. Start imagining getting the Holy Ghost. Start picturing yourself praying in another tongue. And uh, I said, just start expecting it. Start believing it. Brother Cunningham says the highest level of faith is expectation. And uh, I said, when you walk in your bedroom, I was just a boy telling him about how to get the Holy Ghost. I was 14 or 15. I said, when you go in your bedroom at night, I said, you turn your light switch on. I said, you don't say, wow, the, power, the lights came on. I said, you just expect it. You just, you just expect it. You're surprised if it doesn't happen. I said, I want you to come to church tomorrow night. When you get there, I said, I want you to just use your hands on the light switch. And just, when you do that, expect he's going to get the Holy Ghost. He came to the next service. He came to the altar. And he said, boom, he starts speaking in other tongues. Believe in it. Believe in it. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to let the seed grow. I'm going to let faith grow. Come on, somebody shout amen. How many going to let faith grow? If you have a lost family member, I want you to raise your hand. Somebody you want to see saved. Close your eyes and picture them repenting. You see, God also starts small, but He works His way to the heart. It's just a seed of faith. without vision people perish somebody's got to start seeing you got to start imagining the great things of God I'm tearing down strongholds tonight on I want you to pray I want you to feel the victory I want you to believe what he's doing right now hallelujah hallelujah I am loved I am cherished I am called of God God is going to do great things through my life God's going to do great things through us I can see it in the spirit. I can see strongholds being broken. I can see the crumbling coming down. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm not suffering anymore. I'm believing for victory. Come on. I'm believing for, I'm believing for a full house. I'm believing for a full house. I'm believing for a full house. I'm believing every daughter campus is going to outgrow their buildings. I'm every campus, every one of them. Cambridge and Crooksville, Coshocton and Gloucester, and McConnellsville and Woodsfield. And oh, let them all be filled, Almighty oh, God. Hallelujah. I'm going to imagine some things. Just got to imagine some things. Holy Ghost, so powerful for prayer meetings that drug dealers and drug addicts and alcoholics come off the streets and our churches and all of them and they come in and lift their hands and instantly delivered of drug and addiction and crack cocaine addiction how many can see that with me there's there's delivery power somebody should shout I see it say it again I see it I picture backsliders coming home I'm going to imagine some things how many's ever laid in bed and imagined about the goodness of God? I picture it. Backsliders and preachers' kids and elders' children and former Sunday school teachers coming back and saying, I'm home. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Rod Hoffman had a brain bleed the other day from New Lex. Stopped by a scene a couple days ago at the hospital. Had a brain bleed. And they said, they, they said he wasn't going to make it. Brother Mealy, Brother Mark Mealy, where's he at? Hey, they said he wasn't going to make it, didn't they? Yeah. But prayer was made. They said he's not going to live. 
the brain bleed is so severe he's not going to live I went there and he, he said hey pastor when I walked in the room a couple days ago I think we ought to give God glory hallelujah hallelujah thank you Jesus hallelujah I'm going to let you go in just a minute but listen something very very powerful is that's why it's important when the preacher's preaching and the word of God has been wept over and the seed of the word of God has been cast and it lands on your mind it's going to come through your ears how many know that it's going to come to the mind you know what you do you grab a hold of it you start imagining it and the fastest way to get a hold of a truth is by saying amen we should never set silent on the word of God you know what we need to do when we start imagining it, we get excited. If you ever wonder why people jump up and shout during the preaching, it's because the seed is imagined. It's taken root. That's my family. That's my ministry. It's taken root. And it's going to produce fruit. I want you to lift your hands and say, Lord, I, I'm going to let those thoughts be exalted to miracles. Exalted to expectations. Whose report will you believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. There's a miracle happening tonight. I'm going to produce the fruit from the seed. Come on, if you're here, pray for your city right now. Pray for your city. Pray for your neighborhood. My neighbors are going to be saved. I can see it. I can see it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lakin, Lakin came to me a little over a year ago and she said, Daddy, I'm going to take a year off Bible quizzing. We were disappointed because we like her putting that word in her heart. I said, what's your reason? She said, well, I'd like to take a year and apply what I've been memorizing. She said, I'd like to start teaching Bible studies. I've been telling this everywhere I'm going. And I said, okay. And she said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite a few people over the house, some of the neighbors and I'm going to teach in the Word of God because I know it's power in the Word. How many know there's power in the Word? When she, when she got that Bible study and our neighbors came over, a little bit younger than her, and I was sitting in my recliner in my bedroom. I don't know if I was more nervous than you. I don't know. I remember my first home Bible study. And I was in there sitting in that recliner. But Edwards, when I was there, I was in there praying, Oh God, touch her. She's doing her best. She's in there, God, trying to reach somebody with this gospel. For We're not ashamed of it. For Amen. It is the power of God. There's power in that seed. Amen. There's power in it. She started teaching. I was in there nervous. My hands were sweating. A little bit nervous. And she came in a little bit later. She opened my bedroom door. She peeked her head in. She said, Dad, the Holy Ghost is so strong in the living room right now. She said, one of them's in there speaking in tongues right now. There's power in the Word of God. 
She started imagining some things. She started picturing some things. It wasn't long until some connections began to grow there until, I'm glad to tell you, about a month ago, I was able to baptize the adults. My neighbor, Misty, and her mother, Ann, I've lived beside for 16 years. Amen. God has been moving. It's in your neighborhood. It's in your city. It's in your community. I want you to start picturing. I want you to start imagining. God's going to reach our city. God's going to reach our city. God's going to reach our community. Oh, it's not just a field of beans. It's a miracle waiting to happen. Put your hands. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Made up. Come on, let's lift our hands and sing. Before we go tonight. Last night of revivals, tomorrow Don't night, Mr. Bigfoot. Come on. You made it. You turned my sorrow into joy. You, did it. you made it. You turned my morning into dancing. Don't know how, but you did it. You turned my grief into faith. Yes, Don't oh God. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.